Hello and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast, your podcast to those kitesurfing spots that are off the beaten track, and in case we cover a spot that is on the beaten track, we will give a new spin to it. Enjoy the show! Hello friends and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast, the best podcast to the most amazing kite and windsurfing spots on the planet. I have to apologize, I was a little bit busy, I was also away, and honestly speaking I was a a little bit lazy as well, so I haven't produced and published a podcast episode for several weeks now. Again, I apologize for that, I have a couple of other interviews already in the bank, so um, the next one will be released within a shorter period. Today we're going to take you to Mantanzas in Chile, where we talk to Michael Willisch, who runs Kite Chile Wave Camps uh, from Mantanzas in Chile. A really beautiful coastline, very rugged, very rough, with plenty of waves and wind. We speak about three or four wave spots and also one or two really cool flat water spots. I think really a destination which is worth looking at and visiting. Um, before we start the interview, I wanted to make you aware of something really nifty I found. I'm a little bit ashamed I didn't find it before. I was listening to another podcast, which is called Sailing in the Mediterranean, and I was made aware of a application on iOS and Android, and also on the internet, of course, on the web browser. It's called windy.com. Check it out if you're into weather forecasting, wind forecasting. It is a really, really cool application. Uh, has a huge amount of functionality and in-depth detailed information. I will try to get the guys on the show. I already sent them an email. Maybe they're interested in doing a short interview to explain all the functionality of the application. They even have a better forecasting model than websites you probably already know, like WindFinder and WindGuru. That is, it's a better forecasting model for the European continent, only for the European continent. For the other continents, they use the same forecasting models as WindGuru and WindFinder. So, yeah, check that out. Really cool. Sure you love it. And now, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Oh, and before I forget, um, in the show notes, there's always, of course, the um, map with the timestamps, with the spots, and uh, links to a couple of really cool videos, which give you a good visual impression. Okay, <laughs> that was it. Let's get on with the interview now. Okay, today I have the pleasure to welcome Mike, alias uh, Michael Wiebisch, on the podcast. Mike runs Kaichili Wave Camps, and um, as the name suggests, Mike runs uh, Wave Camps based in Matanzas in Chile. This is not the first time we're sitting together, <laughs> uh, because we're sitting in the, um, the apartment of Mike, the seasonal apartment of Mike in Zurich. And um, so we're having this interview face to face, and we tried it already a couple of weeks ago, and I terribly because <laughs> it was my first interview doing uh, a face to face, and I even managed uh, the sound quality was just unbearable. There was some background noise, so Mike was kind enough to give it another go. So here we are, Mike. Thanks for coming on the podcast. First of all, thank you, Jörn, for having me. 
secondary sort of question before we start discussing Mantanzas Chile in detail and the surrounding spots around the area. How did a Swiss guy end up kite surfing? And especially, how did the Swiss guy end up offering wave kite camps? <laughs> because I can imagine that, you know, kite surfing in Switzerland is not easy, but it's, um, it's possible. It's true, it's definitely possible, yeah. But waves in Switzerland. <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> so, you're right there, that's, there so. that's a whole different story. Yeah, it's a whole different story. So tell us a little bit, how did you end up with kiteboarding and uh, yeah. how, how did you end up in Chile? All right. So, uh, yeah, it's basically two different questions. Maybe I go, I go to the first question first, like how I started kiteboarding. Uh, I'm going to make it short. I guess I started like uh, 10 years ago um, with a friend of mine who's a kitesurfing instructor. We did a lot of traveling in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand. This is basically where I made my first steps. Obviously, on the twin tip, did a lot of freestyle um well, traveled uh, to different places all over the world. Of course, I also did some kite surfing in Switzerland, but as you mentioned, uh, we were doing on lakes, basically. I got into wave surfing actually only in Chile, and this is the second question you asked, like how, how I ended up in, in uh, Chile. It's also a longer story, but I, I tried to, 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 to do it a bit faster. <laughs> so in a couple of words, I, I basically quit my job. I used to work in advertising in Switzerland, like uh, quit my job four or five years ago. Uh, they love traveling with my Volkswagen camper van I used to have. Uh, they love traveling in Europe together with my girlfriend. Uh, we ended up like living kind of a cheap life, not, not spending too much money on accommodation and so on. So we decided to do a trip to South America. Uh, we traveled there in uh, Argentina, and, uh, Chile and, and Brazil and we, we liked Chile a lot. Being in Santiago, we realized that uh, we have the coast, which is like 200 kilometers away, uh, one and a half hours, you get to the coast, you have very good surfing, you have a lot of waves. At the same time, you have the, the mountain range, the Andes, uh, very close to Santiago as well, also like one and a half hours where you can go skiing and so on. So we decided to give it a try and start looking for jobs and um, found jobs and then plan to stay there for a year. Uh, shortly after that, I, I actually discovered Madanzas, which uh, you mentioned before, is a, it's a very good wave uh, climbing spot. And uh, this is where the whole story started, where I got into wave riding. I did some wave surfing before, but never on the kite. Uh, but like I, I realized for me, this this became uh, one of the main passions for me. So um, having surfed there a lot, uh, at some point I decided to to set up a little business. I started working as a guide. Uh, I'm showing people the perfect spots. Uh, I can offer the experience I gathered there uh, when it comes to reading the the wind forecast, wave forecast, and just determining which is the best spot. So it's, this is how everything started, basically. And from there on, I started offering also um, basic kite surf courses, because there's also, besides the wave spots, you would have some flat water spots as well. And, well, that's that's basically the story, how I, I started kite surfing, started wave surfing, how I came to Chile. Why did you decide on Montanzas? Well, um, there's two main reasons. Um, the wind probability is the best there. So we, in central Chile, you have the best wind statistics, uh, especially because, um, well, you have the normal wind system where you can get into a little bit later maybe, but then you have some, some really good thermal winds working there as well. 
And as a wife, wave culture, you're actually looking, um, well, you want to find a place with good waves with the right wind direction. And this is kind of hard to find, but Matanzas combines a couple of spots where you have the perfect wind direction, which in that case is a side onshore, which allows you to ride the wave in a, in a good way. So this is one of the huge advantages of Matanzas. And uh, the other thing is it's a perfect base because it includes uh, about four spots in the area, all of them reachable with a car within five to 10 minutes. So uh, depending on the conditions, you can choose the perfect spot without sitting, uh, spending too much time in a car. In right? a car. Yeah. Okay. So how, I think another reason is also it's not too far from Santiago. Mm -hmm. How far is it? And it's uh, 160 kilometers, which means in car it's about two and a half hours, which is pretty decent. So you place, you basically you can fly into Santiago and uh, within two to three hours, you're there already. Because you mentioned it before, um, Chile like has a cost of like more than four thousand kilometers. So at some spots it can get difficult to get there. But Matanzas is uh, it's pretty pretty decent to, to reach. Yeah, it's decent. If people book with you, I presume you take care of the transportation mm -hmm. from from the airport. That's to right. The... That's right. All right. As we mentioned, like usually the the packages we offer, I call them guide package. They include the transfer from the airport to Matanzas. And then also during the time being there, uh, we have kind of a daily shuttle uh, uh, which is included, which means like uh, we go together with the car to the different spots. So um, the answer is uh, if you book a package, you, you don't need to, to get a car by yourself. If you want to do it by yourself, it's, uh, it's easy. You can rent cars in Chile. That's not a problem at all. What you have to then keep in mind is the fact that you should rent in Santiago already. Because along the coast, uh, there's no rental cars at all. Also, Matanzas is a small fishing village, so you wouldn't have any possibility. But it's possible to get there by public bus from Santiago. Uh, there are like two, three connections a day. But then I recommend you speak uh, a bit of Spanish, because it, it's not that easy finding your way in Santiago, getting on the bus. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a touristic route, so it's local people using the bus, but it's definitely possible. And just need to be aware also that you carry your guide stuff and so on. So I say it's possible, but it's tricky. So I... One thing we discussed also last time, there was a PKRA, wasn't there, a couple mm -hmm. years ago in mm -hmm. uh, Matanzas, mm -hmm. there was a wave. Was it all disciplines or was it only the wave? Right? I think it was wave only. I oh, think it was in 2007, if I remember correctly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, get some, by the way, on the internet, you can get some fantastic videos uh, about that, where yeah. you can see that. Yeah. Was it in Montanasas, do you know if it was in Montanasas, the spot itself, or was it in one of the... the... It was uh, Rota Cuadrada, okay. which is uh, a bit north, but we're talking like two kilometers okay. north. We'll get yeah. to the spots yeah. uh, mm -hmm. a little bit later. Let's talk about one thing that everybody as a character is mostly interested about, and that's the topic of the wind. What's the weather system that causes the wind? You mm -hmm. already elaborated a little bit on that further. How strong is it? How reliable is it? Mm -hmm. And most importantly also, of course, what's the best months mm. to visit Chile? Mm. All right. So, like uh, the main wind system, actually you want to have a high pressure system out on the Pacific Sea. If that one is given, which is uh, mainly during a summer month, 
keep in mind that uh, on the southern hemisphere, summer means uh, high summer is January, February. Spring is starting around September, October. This is where you have this high pressure system. So what this does is basically it creates a basic wind along the coast coming from south. So it's a side on um, a side uh, sideshore wind basically. Then you would have in the very north of Chile um, some huge deserts, and they basically help due to the dry and, and, and hot winds. They kind of help to suck the wind along the coast, also coming from south. So they basically increase the main system. What happens now is during the day, you want to have a sunny day, a good day, you have some local thermal effects, which means the inland is heating up, which means it's sucking the cold uh, air from the sea towards the inlands, which means it creates a side onshore wind southwest. And this is the wind you're looking for, basically. Basically, uh, that leads to the fact that winds usually start good winds around 2, 1, 2 o'clock, depending on, on, on the basic wind, if you want to call it like that, but you only kind in the afternoon. If it really starts working, the wind can easily go until 8, 9 o'clock in the night, so basically until sunset. You know? What wind strengths are we talking about in knots? In knots, we, I'd say like an average day is between uh, 20, 25, or I'd say around 25 knots, but can get up, like the, the later the day gets, can get up to 30 knots, okay. or gusts up till up to 35 knots, so this is more or less the range, I'd say around 25, 30 knots, like on a good, on a good day, yeah. So no need to take your 20 square meter fly <laughs> no, no fly servers, no foil boards, no, no, you want to bring small kites. You want to bring so on an average good day, you're looking at a lot of uh, seven, eight square meters uh, kites, you know. But always, of course, like you, you can uh, have some lightweight days. So if you want to be on the safe side, you, you bring maybe an 11 or a 12, just like for, for a lightweight day. And then it's basically go um, big or go home in terms of if there's wind, there's good wind. If there's no wind, there's no wind. Maybe coming back to a bit of the channel situation also, which are the best months. Spring, summer is good. Winter is, is pretty bad because you don't have the... So, sorry, less than for this in, yeah, in, in, in month. In month. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It's a little bit less confusing. So, windy season, I'd say, starts around September, October. Yes, which means spring, which means high pressure systems. Um, the wind get, is getting better like every month, peaking around November, December. Then you would have the high summer, which is January, February, it gets really busy. And also, the wind system gets a bit disturbed, but then again, it's, it's okay in March. What do you mean with really busy? Busy in terms of people. There's the Chilean. Um, so the people from Santiago are right. Yeah. So January, February, keep that in mind. Um, the beaches are jam-packed because everybody's taking uh, vacations, holidays. So what they do is they go out of Santiago, everybody goes to the coast. So uh, prices are going up as well. Everything gets more, a bit more expensive. A lot of people on the beach, a bit more people on the water, but not too much. But this is why I prefer uh, November, December. Good winds, not too busy, not expensive, also good waves. And this is a different topic, waves, you know. Uh, you would have like good swells all year long, but the best swells you would have during the winter storms, July, August. But then we're talking big waves, we're talking three, four, five meters, and uh, the rest of the year, two to three, 
for meters, so you would have decent swells all year long. Yeah, one thing you, you uh, mentioned before, because you said it was busy with not so many people on in the water, mm. I guess that's also due to the fact that the Humboldt current is flowing <laughs> past through the Chilean coast, which reduces the water temperature yeah. significantly. Yeah. It is very fresh water. Yeah, absolutely. You can say all it's, year long. It's, yeah, all year it's, long. It's, and it's 15, 16, mm-hmm. between 15 and 18 degrees. It's right. Like so basically, you're talking winter temperatures between 15, 16 degrees in summer, 18 to 19. But as you say, like the, the huge advantage of that, it's, it's, it's still or maybe it's never going to be a mainstream spot because, well, I'd say the majority of, of, of hydrogen are looking for a spot where they can ride in board shorts and whatsoever. But like if you're open to put on a wetsuit, um, the huge advantage is you don't have a lot of people on the water actually. So I'm talking uh, springtime on a very good day, maybe 10 to 15 people, you know, if it gets busy, it's maybe 15 to 20 to 25, which is nothing because it's, it's a huge area, it's different spots, so you always find your... So, to recap, the best months, November, December, January, February? I'd say November, December. Are these also the months you are operating there? Mm-hmm. Exactly those, or...? Well, I, I start usually around September, October, uh, until the end of December. Okay. So me personally, I actually, well, if there's a lot of demand, a lot of people wanting to come, I can still operate in January, February, but I try to avoid it, as I mentioned before, due to the high prices as well. And it's, it's a different uh, vibe on the coast. So I try to focus on uh, September to December, actually. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the sports. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Matanzas mm-hmm. itself, yeah. which is where you also, if people come and book with you, that's also the place where you will arrange the lodging. You that's will, right. You arrange lodging for them as well. Exactly. Right? That's usually um, included in the package. Mm-hmm. So they're staying in Matanzas. Mm-hmm. Talk about what's the spot in front mm-hmm. of their house. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it's basically uh, Matanzas. It's... it's um, kind of the main village in, in, in the region. So the hotel we're usually staying at is, is right at the beachfront of Matanzas, uh, which means you can set up right in front of the hotel and uh, then you're on the wave, basically. So I, By the way, I just sort of interrupt you, but yeah. I saw the videos on um, on the website, the mm-hmm. pictures on the website, the hotel you're offering is, is mm. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a nice design. Um, the, the people in the area, they, they would call it uh, surf chic, which means it's kind of, a, it has a very good standard uh, quality wise, but it, it's uh, it, it's not too fancy at the same time. So it's a very nice integration uh, into the environment in terms of uh, using natural elements. There's a lot of wood, there's dark wood. Um, so as I said, you, you basically set up in front of the hotel, you get out, you have... Um, a left-handed wave, so this is really a wave spot. You want to have a bit of experience because uh, the launching area is uh, is kind of small. It's a small beach, uh, 30, 30, 50 meters, depending on the tide. And then what you want to do is you, you want to go get away from the beach as fast as possible because what happens is... Um, so it's a left-hander, so it rolls yeah. in the same direction as the wind is uh, Exactly. So yeah. right down the wind. Exactly, you go down with the wind. So wind direction would be southwest, and then, then it's a left-handed, which means 
you go yeah. from, from south to north. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Oh, exactly. Be aware that close to the beach, uh, the wind is quite gusty because uh, it's a little bay, so which means the beach is, is a bit protected. The wind comes over the headlands, which makes it, makes it uh, a bit gusty on the beach, meaning it can go down and up and down, being a danger uh, that you drop the kite. So what you want to do is uh, you set up your kite and you go out and meters. So you go out towards the big rock. If you're looking at pictures, there's a really... A significant rock out there just in front of Patanzas and then this is more or less where the wave breaks so you surf the wave, it's a really decent wave, it's a beach break so it's, it's not a beach break, break. It, it breaks a couple of hundred meters outside yeah well I'd say about a hundred meters outside okay. so um, the wave is not as clean as, uh, as in other spots we're going to talk about later but you can usually do around four to five bottom and top turns so it's decent one thing I'd like to mention, there's a, there's a, a pier, well, a, the whole pier anymore, but like the, the poles of the pier, if you mm. think like that, a bit downwind. So you want to make sure um, before you get into the water that you get familiar where they are because they're a bit known for yeah, stretching up kites that are floating in the water. water. So this is one thing. And also the current is going from south to north. Which means if you drop the kite, if you're not able to get it up anymore, you're going to float towards that pier. So this is something you want to keep in mind. So, in short, good waste spot, but like you need to be an experienced kiter or you need to have somebody looking at you from the beach in, in case of you need some rescue. What would be the next spot? Would you so, I'd go straight to Roca Cuadrada because this is like, uh, it's like my favorite spot and I'd also say it's a... Uh, it's one of the best spots uh, in the region, if not in Chile. Roca Cuadrada is, is, is a, a bit uh, north of Matanzas. I think it's around two kilometers. It's only reachable uh, through the beach. So this is what I was saying before. If you want to go by car there, you need a 4x4 four four for sure. But there are uh, ways around it. So you can get there, for example, uh, with a downwinder from, from Matanzas. Downwind, it's like maybe 10 minutes. And what you can do, you can also keep going from Roca Guadalajara like another 10 minutes to, to a next beach, which is easy, uh, offers an easier exit. So uh, what I usually do with my clients is that like um, they kite down here from Adanzas to Roca Guadalajara, I pick them up later on, or there's another possibility also to go upwind, basically do an upwind for 10 minutes. Uh, I'm explaining you right now why I'm suggesting that. Um, the spot itself is... Uh, really good like it's a very clean left-handed wave in good conditions um, you can do up to 10 uh, or even more uh, bottom top turns which is a lot and um, the wind is cleaner than in Matanzas because it comes straight from the sea it's also mm -hmm. side onshore but it's not disturbed by any um, headlands or, or rocks or whatsoever so the only downside is uh, the entry and the exit because for entering you have to do um, a short body drag uh, along of a rock formation, which requires some skills, and the exit is usually uh, walking a bit over the rocks, which is okay um, if you're confident, if your kite doesn't drop, can uh, become, get a problem, become a problem once you drop your kite, you're not able to get it up anymore, and basically what happens is um, 
your kite is getting dragged over the rock formations onto the beach, right? So this is uh, coming back to the to the point I made before. This is why I usually uh, offer or do downwinders or upwinders with my client. I pick them up with the car later on to avoid uh, the act uh, over the rocks. Okay. Right? So it's the best spot uh, in the in the area, I'd say. But um, you have to keep in mind that if something happens, if, if you drop it, if nobody looks after you, there's a possibility of uh, yeah, getting your kite damaged or yourself as well. So you've got to keep that in mind. If everything goes fine, it's awesome. If something goes wrong, it can get a bit tricky. You said the exit was a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned going further downwind. Mm -hmm. So people starting from Kansas, mm -hmm. then they go... Rock up mm -hmm. and then you don't even have to exit, you can probably sail to the... Yeah, to a small bay, which is called Las Brisas, which is basically downwind. It's not an official kite spot, but you can, uh, you can kite there as well. Um, exactly, and then I usually, I, I wait there with the car, or what I do is sometimes I, I, I set the car there, I do an upwinder to join my my guests in Rocco uh, Quadrado. We have a session together and then go back to the car and drive back and avoid all the hassles, you know, uh, okay. that you have. Next fault, mm -hmm. which would you suggest to talk about? Uh -huh. Maybe we can uh, keep going uh, with Pupuya. Yeah. Pupuya is um, a bit south uh, of uh, Madanzas, like a five minutes uh, car ride. It's basically, it's a different day. Reachable within like, yeah, I just said it, five to ten minutes. That one is, um, I would say, a bit a mix between a, a wave and a freestyle spot. So the huge difference is it's really easy access. Uh, there's a huge beach, uh, so it's easy to launch and to land. Um, the wind is more constant because mm -hmm. it comes straight uh, from the sea, basically. It's usually also a bit stronger than in Matanzas. It's, you wouldn't have a clean wave, so it, it's it's not like a, a rideable wave like you would have in Madoka or in Matanzas where you can do like a different bottom top turns. But the advantage is it, it's really good to, to get used to circumstances. So you, let's say for example, you're somebody um, familiar already on your trip tip, you want to do your first steps on a surfboard, this is the place where you want to go. So you stand on your board, you do your first turns on the wave. If the wave is small, you can also go with your quick tip. You have to have a good freestyle session there. Does it give a good? Does the wave, the small waves, give a good kicker for jumping? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's more the thing. It's more a bit of a playground, uh, all round playground, if you want to put it like that. So yeah. if you want to go high. And that's the place to go. go yeah. You also have really strong winds, as you said. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Or if it's not enough, for example, in Madanzas, you just go for a fun day. Uh, okay. There's another nice feature there, but which usually only works in spring, which is a small lagoon mm -hmm. close to the beach with its flat, shallow water. But that only works in spring because you would have the, the snow melting in the Andes, you would have a lot of water coming in. So September, October, November, and probably drying out around December. When and is this also where you train the people uh, when yeah. they are first-time kiters? Not first-time kiters, not because it's still the open sea, you know. So okay. you would have a shore break, you would have a, a bit of a current, 
which doesn't make it ideal for the very first steps. But mm-hmm. if you already have a bit of experience, let's say, for example, you had like a, I don't know, like three-day beginners course, and now you want to, I don't know, your, your goal is to go up with, for example, this is the place you're looking for. The very beginners course I, I do actually in, in La Boca, we maybe can just keep going to that spot yes. right now, you know, because this is the fourth uh, spot in, in the region. Uh, it's also uh, north, north of Matanzas, north of Roca Cuadrada, so it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to get there by car. And what it actually is, it's a, it's a river mouth, uh, so it's a, the Rio Rapel, the River Rapel, getting into the sea. Mm-hmm. And just before it gets into the sea, creates a little lagoon which is more or less uh, completely flat and also shallow at the same time so you can stand in there and it's protected from the sea so there's no waves at all which uh, creates perfect circumstances uh, to do your first steps on a kiteboard uh, to learn to fly the kites to do body dragging all this kind of stuff that is included in, in a beginner's course this is where i usually teach and at the same time, it's also a very nice freestyle spot. So if people are coming to Chile and they want to ride flat water, it's also a nice spot to get there. And again, sandy bottom. Sandy bottom, yeah, sandy yeah. Bottom. Very safe, and this is uh, especially in the downwind area, so it's it's very safe. And let's say, for example, you drop your kite, um, you're unhooked, you lose it, or you're a beginner. There's a safe downwind area where you basically end up on the beach and you, you wouldn't get dragged into, I don't know, into uh, rocks or whatsoever. So it's not next stop, is Eastern Island. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you would have different spots where that's the case. <laughs> but no, this, no, this is a big plus of, of La Boca. It's protected and it's a safe environment to work. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Are there any other real hazards you have to take care about on the sports in general or? No, not really. I, I would say it's like the common approach uh, you should have. Like uh, once you arrive, maybe try to 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 ask a local and get a bit of feeling. Or, Michael or me as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like in general, I would say Chileans are are very open uh, to give you advice as well. I mean, you wouldn't find this kind of a localism in other places where people think, "Oh man, it's another extranjero, another foreigner coming and stealing my way." No, it's it's basically people are open and happy to give you advice and then and they kind of find it cool that like, um, yeah, people come and, and kind of their spot. But uh, be aware, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a rough environment, uh, meaning uh, big waves, strong winds and so on. Uh, so you keep that in mind and really respect nature and, and, and that's right. it. Yeah. It's rugged, yeah. Uh, uh, also the landscape I have the feeling is very rugged. It's yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. Rugged. It's, it's, not... it's it's beautiful in a, not in the classical sense. I mean it's not like let's say like a white beach with palm trees and cockheads or no, it's like volcanic dark beaches, um, impressive rock formations, a, a lot of trees and then green woods creating a real uh, stunning ambience environment for kiting yes. but it's 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 beautiful in its roughness i yes. find but you need to like that and it gives you kind of an adventurous uh, feeling as well I, I, uh, I, yeah. and uh, if you're into that this is a perfect uh, place to be uh, and yeah. i love it i love places like that this is why i ended up there you know but it's not for everybody yeah give me one other spot mm-hmm. in Chile, mm-hmm. which you would say just 
which you know and you say mm -hmm. is also a beautiful spot, which mm -hmm. is not five or ten minutes drive from uh, All right. from where you live. Uh -huh. Well, uh, yeah, there's comes one spot to my mind which is a bit different. It's called Puklado, Embalse de Puklado, which is basically a lake, the inlands toward the Andes. And now we're talking about five to six hours north of Santiago. So you would head up uh, by car along the coast up to La Serena. And from there on, there's another hour inland. And as I mentioned before, it's a, it's a really stunning environment because you're already basically in the Andes. So mm -hmm. you have like mountains around the lake. And the huge advantage is the, the thermal effect of getting there. So basically, you can say if it's sunny, it's windy. And it's sunny, I'd say around, I don't know, making up the number, but it should be around 330 days, I'd say. And it's, uh, it's, it's a fun environment. And you would also have a bit like a cultural aspect in terms of you would have the, the, the Pisco fields up there. Pisco is it's, it's a local grape. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a famous drink, pisco sour, for example. And it's a brandy, isn't it? Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you would have like uh, this aspect, and the other thing is you would have a lot of um, I don't know how you call that those places where you can watch the the, the stars, you know, planetarium. Is it that? Because one thing in the telescopes, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of telescopes, but you know, people would do research there because like it, it's an interesting uh, fact about the north. So planetariums, so an observer. Observatory. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, that's an interesting fact about the north of Chile. It's it's very dry, which allows you to see the stars better, and there's uh, no light pollution whatsoever. So uh, it's one uh, even up more up north of the Chile, you wouldn't have any lights at all. Which makes it a, a perfect space for for research and observatories. You would have a lot of international researchers coming into that part of the world. Could you? Uh, uh, you can actually drive from from Santiago there, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could fly as well, but the drive is uh, around, I'd say, five to six hours from okay. Santiago. Yeah, okay. it's called Antiplano, which means yes. it's kind of a highland uh, between Peru, Bolivia, and Chile. And there you 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 would find those lakes up in four to five thousand meters uh, with flamingos in it, um, Salade Uyuni, which is this huge salt field on the Bolivian yes. side. I think you're referring to that. Yes, right? mm. but you will get if you go there. You, you, get get taste get, you get you get the first taste of this. Absolutely, of this area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. good. Yeah. It's not as spectacular as there, but it's kind of the beginning of this area. So you could actually combine it to stay oh, one, two, one or two days or a couple of days longer and, uh, and take, take the effort to drive from Santiago Farm. And, uh, I guess I guess you could say that in general, like if you want to add a couple of days uh, to your surfing trip to Chile, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And going north, as, as we you were talking about right now, it's the desert. Going south, it's uh, Patagonia, which is uh, more greener. Uh, more lakes, uh, kind of already kind of a jungle feeling, and uh, yeah, so you would find a, a lot of different add-ons to your surf trip for sure. Yeah, because last time we talked, uh, and I wanted to ask you, what if there is no wind? I mean, you pick in the months where you have an extremely high uh, probability of wind, but the mm -hmm. days, well, I guess, of course, there's always in, in the November there are days when there are mm -hmm. no uh, no wind. Mm -hmm. Last time we spoke also. Great vineyards uh, mm -hmm. within driving distance from yeah. from uh, the spots where yeah. you drive more yeah. inland than where you can taste the famous Chilean wines. On Absolutely, yeah. It's um, 
It's basically a bit inland, so the two and a half uh, hours drive. There's a, a famous area with different vineyards, which is called uh, Santa Cruz. There you would have this typical grape, which is called the uh, Carmenere, for example, or also all kinds of different grapes. And uh, it's a really nice place to spend the day for, for wine tasting. It also offers, of course, accommodation to, to spend maybe a night or so. This is for sure uh, really... Nice add-on to to Madanza Celestia yes. But what we usually do is actually more um, more different, uh, more sport, not the culture aspect, but more sports aspect. It's like uh, we've been talking about this before. And um, if there's no wind, uh, you would always get waves. So you have this kind of uh, wave machine, which is uh, the low pressure set, um, systems in the Antarctica, and they send up swells to the Chilean coast all the time. So if there's no wind, there's always a chance for surfing, wave surfing, or also stand-up paddling, for example. So what we usually do, if, if it's a guide package and there's no wind, we usually uh, choose a spot for, for wave surfing or stand-up paddle surfing, because obviously a lot of kite surfers, and especially wave kite surfers, that are into wave surfing as well. So, um, yeah, within reach of, of Madanzas, you would have uh, a lot of good wave riding spots. Some of them a bit more kind of the type of secret spots. Uh, some of them uh, more famous, as for example, uh, Punta de Lobos, which is close to um, close to Pichilemo. And this is one of the most uh, famous waves in Chile, world class. It's during the winter storms, it's good peak wave surfing as well. And so yeah, this is what we do a lot. We just go surfing for one day. Other really nice features, uh, stand-up paddling tours. So there's the chance, for example, to go from Matanzas to these kind of um, scenic rock formations where you find a lot of sea lions and seals, a lot of marine life you can discover. There's the possibility to trip two to four hours on a stand-up paddleboard uh, down the river, actually, down the Rio Rapel. So you're paddling on the river. And you actually end up on the spot we've been talking about before, La Boca, which is also really scenic. Gives you also the opportunity to try a stand-up paddleboard in a nice environment if you do it for the first time, for example. Oh, that's the river mouth. Exactly, yeah, yes. yeah the Rio Rapel river mouth. Uh, horse rides, we, we have like different corporations with the horse rides along the beach. It's also a really nice uh, thing to do. Yeah, so there's always something uh, to do if there's no wind. Uh, Long story short, people won't get bored if they're going on holiday. No, not at all. Lives, right? Not at all. You right. keep them busy. I keep them busy, that's right. So they, got, they have to go to bed early. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good point you're mentioning, actually. Uh, I, let's, let's, let's go to that. Yeah. So, um, because uh, now we're going to talk about Montanzas uh, uh -huh. as a town. Montanzas mm -hmm. is not really a big town, is it? How many yeah. people live there? Can do something at night, uh, and, and what do the people live from? What's, mm -hmm. uh, what's their main source of income? And, uh, yeah. Except for January, February, I think it's tourism. Tourism, yeah. Tourism. yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a small fishing village, so we would have a couple of fishermen there. Uh, you would also have a big inland in the campo, they call it. Uh, you would have farmers. Um, so this is is basically the. Two major occupations uh, with, uh, besides tourism, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, say it's a couple of hundred people living there, but it's, it's all spread out. So at the coast itself, where like the main village is, it's, it's really few people. And you would have a couple of good, like really good restaurants. Also, the hotel we are working together with, they, they have a really, really, really good kitchen. How many people live in the village, do you think? I'd say in total, it's probably around, I don't know, maybe two. 
So, except for the couple of hotels and bars uh -huh. at eight o'clock, it's the light off, isn't it? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so you you can always go for the good dinner. Yes, yeah. maybe four to five places. You can also you have a bit of a variety. If you spend a week or two, you can go to all the different restaurants. And during main season, which uh, we said before, it's January, February, you would have kind of some nightlife as well. Okay. So then you would have the hotels offering some bars. Beach bars. Beach bars, exactly. You'd have some parties going on for sure. And if you hook up with locals, they, they love to do barbecues at their places. They might invite you. But this is more kind of January, February then, or maybe end of December. Yeah. Get a good dinner, maybe a drink or two, and then uh, I, I usually um, call it eat, kite, sleep, repeat. So it's not too much party going on. But is there, a good, is there a decent supermarket in the village where you can buy some food for yourself? Yeah, or basic, food, basic food. There's uh, two, two supermarkets, but keep in mind it's, it's the basic stuff you get there. So if you need something special, I don't know, like, I don't say, for example, contact lenses, whatsoever, you have to get it in uh, Santiago. And from the food, so I presume, first of all, they have good seafood. Absolutely. And secondary, are they like all the South Americans that throw a whole cow on the barbecue? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, they, they love doing barbecues in general. So a typical thing, uh, it's, uh, for example, Cordero al Palo, which is like, uh, like if they cut up this sheep and they put it on an iron thing and they throw it uh, uh, onto a fire for five or five hours, you know. So you, you, you can find it as well, yeah. We talked about you arrange the lodging as well, mm. predominantly in the place you see on the mm -hmm. on the on, on your website. That's sure. very nice hotel. People wouldn't book through. Are there other hotels, or is this ma the main place to stay? Or can you get I know there are other hotels as well. So I'd say there are about um, five uh, main hotels. We all of them decent. There are uh, different price ranges. One of them, like the cheapest one, is offering dorms as well, and then there's a lot of luxury uh, options as well. And then besides that, there's a lot of uh, houses that you can rent, and it's not that easy being a foreigner because it's not it's not that easy to find them online so you would have like i think a lot uh, a couple of airbnb um, opportunities but then the rest is kind of word of mouth or people knowing each other and renting the place out so it's not that easy finding it on google but there are definitely good good ways say if you're a couple of, of, of guys are renting a house sharing a nice cabana they call it uh, it's, it's a very good option as well yeah. cool. What are your future plans with personally and future with uh, WaveCamps Chile? You just yeah. want to keep this continuing, growing it? What, what are yeah. your plans in this respect? Absolutely. So uh, there's a slight chance, as, as you said in the beginning of the interview, we're doing this interview right now in Zurich. <laughs> yes. um, the main reason is that uh, there's no wind right now in Chile during the Chilean winter. So, so uh, this is basically uh, my vision to to divide my time a bit between uh, Switzerland and Chile and meaning to spend like the, the European summer being in Switzerland and getting back around September to Chile and be there until January so definitely the idea is to to keep going on with those waves and uh, and be there when it's windy and wavy absolutely and uh, is there anything I forgot to ask you anything you would like to add no, I think we covered covered the spots. Uh, we covered a bit what what I'm offering. My services are 
So um, as we mentioned before, it's, it's definitely uh, doable. Like if you're an independent kiter, uh, if you're into wave riding, uh, if you're uh, able to organize all your flights and your trips, it's absolutely doable on your own. Uh, if you want to take it a bit easier, if you don't want to worry about transfers, cars, if you don't want to worry about uh, reading the wing statistics and the wave forecasts whatsoever, uh, as I mentioned before, what we offer is uh, those guide trips. It's basically all-inclusive packages, which include transfer, which includes uh, the transport to the spots, which includes the hotel, and it's the guiding. And guiding also means uh, that you can do downwinders, that uh, you, you get assistance in getting up your kite and so on. And this is what we call our guide packages. And if you're interested in that, have a look at kitechile.com. Uh, and uh, if not, uh, see you on the water there somewhere. Well, if, <laughs> I, if I can make this, uh, if I, I had a couple of interviews with, uh, with people and companies that offer similar things like mm -hmm. And I think. The biggest benefit is that, listen, if you go three months to Cape Town, mm. you will figure out the sports Absolutely. Mm. If you go two weeks, mm. and this is the time you have, and you mm. want to get the maximum out of it, mm -hmm. and you want to kite the best sports the most of the time, mm -hmm. and really use your time to do an intensive kite surfing, mm. wave riding, holiday, then using this local knowledge is always the best way to do it. And also, as you're saying, I mean, we briefly talked about all the spots. Um, you can listen to a podcast like that, but that doesn't mean you, you can already figure out the spot by itself because it's a lot of different factors. You know, we're talking about um, wind forecast, uh, direction and strength, wave forecast, direction and the swell, height. Uh, it's the tide and it's all the factors coming together. And also, like stuff you cannot read out of a forecast, like some kind of local effects. Can be a thermal effect whatsoever, and the only way to figure out it is to spend a lot of time there and go searching a lot. And it's kind of uh, hard to figure it out by yourself. Maybe it's a last question: these these groups you get together are there always groups that book as a group with you, or are there single people? Mm -hmm. It's both. Uh, we have, a, yeah, I, I couldn't say. Yeah, so sometimes it's a mix, mm -hmm. and sometimes it, it's group, like a couple of friends, for example, mm -hmm. you know, three, four friends. Uh, I also get a lot of couples coming together, and, and they got a mixed group as well. So because you know, I've experienced this with um, with sailing. What I really liked is that you are in a very close space mm -hmm. for a week of time mm -hmm. with people who have exactly the same interests as you. Yeah, yeah. And you meet very interesting people, mm -hmm. which you would maybe in your day-to-day -day life would not meet because they come from completely different backgrounds, yeah, from I agree. from areas, uh, political, social, mm. uh, business-wise backgrounds. Mm. Then we all tend to run around in the same circles, mm. and you meet people which have extremely, uh, mm -hmm. which have the same passion. Yeah for yeah. wave kiting yeah, in this, yeah, in this yeah, yeah. and it's very nice to spend a week with these people Absolutely. and uh, and talk to them and get to know them. Uh, uh, I would agree on that actually. The main difference with sailboat is that you still find your private time <laughs> after the session, but I do completely agree because the thing is like uh, spots like Madanzas or like any specific spot on the road um, attracts people uh, with a similar mindset, for example, and in the case of Chile it's maybe 
it's it's more let's say uh, adventurous people looking for new experiences nature lovers so you would have like uh, some common value set but then as you said uh, with different backgrounds and you get to know each other very well during the week and this is one one of the things i, I like uh, about being a guide uh, meeting people from all over the world and exchanging ideas uh, and having fun time uh, at the same uh, same time you know this is a this important aspect good mike um Thanks again <laughs> for taking the time. Yeah, it's a pleasure um, for, uh, for the interview. interview. I will include all the details and some links to cool videos mm -hmm. um, in the show notes. And yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Björn. Thank you. I sure hope you enjoyed that interview. But before we end the show, I wanted to ask you for three favors. First of all, Please advise the show or refer the show to one of your kitesurf buddies so we get the audience up. Secondary, if you want to rate the show on iTunes, please do so. It will help other people find the show more easily. And third and most importantly, please subscribe to the newsletter on the website. You will find the info in the show notes so I can inform you when a new episode has arrived and what it's all about. And with this said, hope to talk to you in two weeks. Take care. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Oh, See our sound.